right, so within the NIST cybersecurity framework, you've got five pillars, identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. And across those five pillars, you really have a lot of different controls that need to be measured. One of the things that's, that's really important for a lot of organizations for that is, is the virtual CISO role. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to part two of Measuring What Matters. This two-part series explores the importance of measurements and what to measure when it comes to your cybersecurity program. In our first episode, we went outside the field of technology to the world of professional golf. We spoke with former professional athlete, Allison Duncan, about the tsunami of data she had to process as a professional golfer. She led us through what she measured that mattered. In this episode, we're gonna turn our attention back to your cybersecurity program. And we're gonna bring Adam Scamahorn uh, on as our guest. He is the product director with InterVision. And Adam and I will dive into the importance of measuring your cybersecurity program, what metrics matter most, how to establish a metrics mindset within your organization. And yes, like we did with Allison, we're going to talk about the technical measurement versus the mental or emotional measurement. So welcome back to Status Go, Adam. Excellent. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Adam, I know you've been a guest on our show before, but I would love for you to take just a moment, remind our our audience who you are and a little bit about your journey and and your role with InterVision. Absolutely. So I am, like you mentioned, the product director for InterVision in charge of our business continuity, managed services and professional services. Uh, as part of that, I am what I like to call a recovering engineer. I kind of came from the, uh, yeah, the the management of our IT teams that built the disaster recovery as a service and backup as a service offerings that then transitioned into ransomware recovery and other security offerings that all are all based around risk that might pose to an organization specifically interested in uh, preserving uptime, right? So all of the things I lead, it's all about making sure organizations remain uh, able to do business. So, Excellent. And uh, for our listeners, uh, I've known Adam for years. In fact, he was the engineer uh, involved when, when my organization, gosh, it's probably been 10 or 12 years ago, something like that now, Adam, uh, that uh, we went cloud with uh, disaster recovery as a service. And so Absolutely. that's where Adam and I met. Well, let's dive in and let's talk about measuring a cybersecurity program. Where where do you start? What What's a good framework or benchmark that you recommend or that, that you use when going in and talking with clients? Absolutely. So um, when we talk about risk and we talk about cybersecurity, we want to do some kind of an analysis that, that's useful. And when we break down cyber risk analysis, they can come in two flavors, either a qualitative analysis or a quantitative analysis. Qualitative being a way to gather results that are measured and translated into numbers, but it's there are subtleties behind those feelings, actions, things like that. Or quantitative analysis are more about the data that's collected that can be analyzed 
Um, so qualitative analysis, they can be quick, but they're often pretty subjective, right? Okay. On the other hand, quantitative analysis are, are a little more objective. They have more detail, contingency reserves, kind of go, no go type things. And so they can be significantly more expensive and more time costly. So when we go and look at those things, we use the NIST cybersecurity framework, the National mm -hmm. Institute for Standards and Technologies cybersecurity framework to do a more quantitative measure around the controls that are put in place by an organization that's that's really been the standard for what needs to be there uh, quantitatively. Is is the is the framework something that uh, our listeners can can get their hands on and try to do themselves, or do they really need somebody to help them with that? Yeah. All right. So within the NIST cybersecurity framework, you've got five pillars: identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. And across those five pillars, you really have a lot of different controls that need to be measured around where we're doing each of those things across mm -hmm. networks, across our people, across our uh, devices, and and what the the actual um, components are that fill those from a people, process, and technology standpoint. It is a place where you want to have a partner come in and help you do that analysis, right? A lot of times, if you're just answering questions yourself, it's real easy to lie to yourself, to be naive, uh, yeah, to kind of fit yeah. into a, a world where you're like, well, we kind of do this, right? And we kind of yeah. do this and that fills this control. But if you've got someone who's got a little bit more experience, one of the things that's that's really important for a lot of organizations for that is is something that's fairly new in, in the industry is the virtual CISO role, right? So oh, yeah. you've got yeah. Yeah. Um, a virtual chief information security officer that can come in and help an organization from a perspective that has seen a lot more than a single person working inside of a single industry. And so they can help along with that organization, look at themselves a little bit more objectively yeah. and, and measure themselves. I, I was gonna say that that uh, that independent view really helps it be more more objective. Well, as you're as you're thinking about the the scorecard and, and implementing a framework like this and uh, measuring controls. How do you deal with uh, changes in your environment or changes outside your environment? Yeah, so obviously being aware of what's changing both in the world around you as well as what's happening in your own environment is crucial. Uh, the v virtual CISO roles like that can help and as well as just having someone who guides the security posture of your organization and understanding how the uh, the labor impact of that evolving threat landscape happens in cybersecurity as well, especially in small and medium business sized businesses who don't necessarily have IT resources to do more than just keep the lights on, right? Mm -hmm. So leaders in these spaces need to know what's happening, what's changing, what's evolving. And as that happens, we've seen over the last two or three years, the threat has increased to a level of, um, for those small medium businesses where the excuse of, hey, we're too small, we're not a target, we're not regulated, we don't need mm -hmm. a CISO, we don't need a security posture leader, uh, we don't have anything anybody would want is another right. objection we hear a lot from, uh -huh. from organizations. But we're seeing 
more and more that the the threat actors are pivoting from a numbers game to go after mm -hmm. those small organizations because if we can hold the ability of your business to do to do business if we can hold mm -hmm. your organization essentially ransom from not being able to continue to operate yep you'll pay if you don't have the any other ability then to go on and you know the uh verizon uh, data breach investigation report from this year even did a pretty neat example on the financial benefits of being a threat actor and so they uh they, it's they a took path. it is a career path it's it's a criminal career path but it is financially lucrative crime crime does in fact pay uh -huh. and so those those attackers are really playing a numbers game if and they they very well showed that you know if you can go out and buy an attack kit for x and then use it this many times this is about the amount of payout you can get and yeah, very quickly yeah. if you're willing to put the work in you can have a very lucrative salary um just hitting as many organizations as possible and so you don't want to be one of those organizations that is vulnerable to those mm -hmm. kind of things while everybody's somewhat vulnerable you want to be able to react you want to be able to return to uptime you want to be able to prevent ransoms and downtime so being able to measure those things is the yeah. key to being able to build a strategy to make that happen but i i also imagine that this framework can can seem daunting to a, a small business smaller medium business how do you do you help pick and choose the controls that they need to pay attention to? Or how do you message that with them when you look at the entire NIST framework? And gosh, I'm just a small, small guy. Yeah, so that's a great point. And we've, we've done a pretty good job of taking all of those controls and distilling them down into a handful of questions that are really based on a foundation of covering as much of those controls as possible um, and and specifically figuring out where the gaps are because that's that's the intent yeah. of measuring right you want to know here's where my gaps are taking those controls finding where my gaps are and then and then building a strategy on how to fill those gaps yeah. so that you can improve that score but it's not all about the score what we're talking about here is measuring what matters. So the action is important. Uh, you get your score and what, what's a business to do once they have this score and it's like in these different areas, do they need a roadmap? What, what do you, what do we do to, to help them progress? Yeah, you absolutely need a roadmap to figure out, Hey, what's the most critical piece? What do I need to address today? What do I need to address? Uh, six weeks from now, and and how do I, how do I evolve into something that um, that is more secure over time, and can mm -hmm. continue to react to those changes that are happening both internally and externally. And so the the scorecard really is, uh, it, it it's not a point in time, right? You're continually measuring some of these things. You do uh, have to, to continually how... measure. Yeah, you absolutely have to continue to measure over time and make sure that, you know, not only are we filling gaps here, we're not creating additional gaps over here. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we're we're continually learning, adapting and changing from what what's being measured. I, th I think that's a big difference between 
something like the NIST cybersecurity framework and the, the various compliance frameworks that companies have to have to satisfy is those are more point in time. This is really measuring your progress along this continuum, uh, right? As you're as you're looking at this. Yeah, and I think measuring just to have an increased score, like you mentioned, is is a concern too. <laughs> I think your last um, your last guest talked about self awareness and emotional maturity. Uh -huh. And above all, honesty being really important in the things that she measured. And I think being honest is the only, is one of the biggest keys to this, to being able to get the most out of it. So as we go into even quantitative analysis, we want to make sure that we're getting data that matches reality and that yeah. we're going back to the well and understanding, hey, here are the things that need to be improved, but also you know, we're not just trying to get a, hey, my security looks good so I can sleep well at night. Because if I got a higher score than you do. Higher <laughs> score than you do, yes. Yeah, the, yeah. the score doesn't necessarily speak to the the competitive nature, but it, it does have to be something that you're, you're getting something out of, right? So that yeah. you can not only make that number better, but make your organization less vulnerable to risks. Yeah, yeah. Because as soon, as soon as you get that that hubris of oh my score is pretty good, that's about mm -hmm. when the attack's going to hit, right? Uh, just to kind of put you in your place. Well, you, you mentioned you mentioned Allison Duncan, and she was our guest uh, on our previous episode, uh, talking about measuring what matters in in golf, and right. she divided hers into two types of metrics: the the technical, which Gosh, I, I watched a, a golf tournament a couple of weeks ago and man, they, they have a metric on everything, right? right. It's kind of like watching an NFL game today. And it's uh, right. where did where did all these measurements come from? But then she also, <laughs> as you mentioned, talked about the mental aspects of the game. And just like an athlete, the mental aspects really come into play. And you touched on on some of them being uh, honest with yourself and being real, truly objective. Um, where else does the mental side of this come in as you're looking at a cybersecurity program? Well, a lot of it falls on the second or the last two tiers, last two pillars of the NIST cybersecurity framework, mm -hmm. the ability to respond and the ability to recover. Ah, um, yeah. And when you're really dealing with that one, confidence can definitely get in the way hubris can get in the way of my ability to do those things if i haven't built a strategy if i haven't truly truly been tested in those mm -hmm. realms it's real easy to get overconfident but it's also real easy to just completely get incredibly emotional yeah. when you're faced with hey i've got to respond to this attack someone's doing something that is a criminal activity potentially that's been detected mm -hmm. but but this is where the people portion of people process and technology is the most heavy, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you, NIST also has what they call the cyber defense matrix, and it shows the uh, the level of need across all five pillars. And you'll see in that people get steadily more important, important. as you move to the right. Yeah. And as people become more important, emotion obviously can play a role. 
mm-hmm. uh, not only in the preparedness side of being able to respond and recover, but also when faced with incidents, uh, an organization's ability to actually respond and recover. Yeah. And so this is where experience and steady, steady um, personalities who've who faced these things are really, really important, right? Yeah. Well, and, and you bring up the, the testing and that, that applies whether it's your uh, cybersecurity response, you need to test your response to a cyber attack. Uh, just like uh, we, we preached for years about testing your, your backups and your disaster Absolutely. process, right? And that gets back to that, that mental discipline of the athlete you gain that confidence because you practiced and practiced and practiced and you know, um, and to your point, the professionals do this every day. So they practice this stuff far more than you ever could uh, internally, which is uh, another reason uh, for that. What about when you're, when you're looking at measuring what matters, what, what are some of the, the gotchas that you have to be looking out for? when you're creating these measurements? Yeah, so you have to know what you want to get out of the measurement, first of all. What's my goal, right? What am I measuring? What am I trying to achieve? But you also have to choose KPIs or OKRs or objectives that make sense to give you an intended desirable result from that goal. So in... Product management, I deal a lot with the idea of a perverse incentive. When you're going to go measure something, this is sometimes called the Cobra effect. And the best example of this is in India, when they were trying to um, reduce the Cobra population, they put a bounty on Cobra corpses. And you Uh could get money, essentially, for bringing in dead Cobras. And over time, they found out farmers were now farming Cobras. You could breed Cobras and make money based off of this bounty and so those cobras were escaping back in the wild and the population wasn't decreasing in fact it was increasing and so it had a very unintended result um, from their actual goal and so you've got to have controls in place to make sure that the data you're measuring is legitimate but you've also got to pick things to measure that are actually going to give you the desired consequence And you've got to have the follow-up actions to make sure that, you know, what I measured, the gaps I've identified, the things I've, I've built, I can now take that and I can go design something out of that. That's going to improve those things, improve my scores, improve my, my objective based off of that original goal. Are they driving the right behaviors? I, I, I can remember um, reading about uh, Tony Say, uh, uh, founder of Zappos um, and, a lot of their business is call centers, right? It's an online uh, uh, shoe company. And so uh, they have this this army of people that are answering the phones and resolving problems. Uh, and he realized that they were doing what just about every call center on the planet does is they measure the effectiveness based on the number of calls yeah. that, a, that an agent handles, right? Uh, and what that led to was... Uh, I got to get off the phone. I'm going to take yep. a shortcut here, shortcut there. And it was completely driving the wrong behavior. Uh, and so he changed to measure the, I think he called it the PEC, personal emotional connection. 
a lot harder to manage or oh, to yeah. measure rather to measure, but it was, but it was driving the behavior that they were looking for uh, out of their call center agents. And I know you and I were talking, the same thing happens in IT departments with, right. with tickets. And uh, if you're measuring someone based on the number of tickets, yeah, you know, you might it's, end up with a field full of cobras. <laughs> it's real easy for, especially engineers, to design ways to get lots and lots of tickets closed. You put incentives around those things, you'll get the numbers you're looking for, but you may not get the goal that you're actually trying to achieve. And I've seen yeah. that happen in a lot of of support desks and help desk type scenarios where you know you want to measure something, you want to understand what your where your labor's going. You got to make sure that it's it's a reasonable. Uh, Thing to measure to get the outcome you want. When you when you're thinking about the cybersecurity program, Adam, what are some key things that companies need to measure? Maybe not everything. We don't have time to, to go into everything. But what are some of the key things they should be looking at that would drive the behavior, drive drive the progress they're looking for? Yeah. So I'm going to actually take the us back a little bit to the testing conversation uh-huh. we were just yeah. having. And when we talk about measuring, a lot of times we're testing to measure something. And specifically in the cybersecurity world, there are two things that every organization is now pretty much required to do, whether it's from their cyber insurance or from some kind of compliance. And that is some kind of a penetration test. Mm -hmm. And that is some kind of knowledge-based course that every employee has to take, right? So I've got to take and pass a, I'm not going to get fished test. And there's lots of providers out there that do mm-hmm. this kind of thing of a, a security knowledge test. And so we're measuring today, hey, everybody's taking this test at least once a year or once a half a year, whatever the measurement is that I'm doing that. And the same thing in pa- pen testing. I've taken my pen test. I've done my remediation actions. The problem is with both of these things is they're snapshots in time. And so when we were talking earlier about the idea that uh, this needs to be a continuous thing, Mm -hmm. um, it really does. Because if I take a snapshot from a pen test and I understand what my gaps are right in that moment, it does not necessarily show me the vulnerability of my organization through the day as my shifts change, as my employees Uh, come in and out, as they maybe are, are more weary in the afternoon and more susceptible to yeah. social engineering. And just like that, let's be honest, it's real easy to click through those phishing knowledge-based tests and not answer the dumbest question, dumbest answer possible, right? Yes. Yes. Like yes. These are not hard tests to pass and they don't necessarily um, provide real actual security. They're a compliance yeah. check mark. And yeah. so having, having a plan in place to continually test your security perimeter, and then to, to fix the gaps mm-hmm. that are in that, just like you would with disaster recovery, where you recover your things multiple times a year, you look for changes in the environment and what applications have, have done in the last six months, in the last year, and make adjustments to fix those things. You need to start doing those things in the security side as well. Yeah. And so there are now things like penetration testing as a service where organizations are able to continually provide penetration type attacking from an adjusting cyber uh, threat landscape mm-hmm. that doesn't just give that one single point in time, but actually provides real value in measurement of what your attack surface looks like through the day, yeah. through the week, through the month. And the same 
same data will really help, I think, with that second one as well of where your users are now actually susceptible to things like phishing and vishing and mm -hmm. other types of social and engineering type attacks as well. Does that seem to be the, the prevalent uh, attack vector that social engineering is that uh, you mentioned yeah. earlier, the, the, the ransomware as a service or the how easy it is to buy the kit to, to do these attacks. Is that really where they're focused is trying to, to fish somebody, to trick somebody? Yeah, there are different numbers from different organizations, but I think everyone agrees it's over 80% of all cyber attacks, breaches, ransomware attacks are coming from uh, someone who gets in via an, a user in an organization. Yeah. And after that, it's, it's often between three or five steps past that where an attacker can take out an entire organization. All they need is that that first foot in the door. door. And once they get that foot in the door, everything else is is vulnerable. Well, so once gotta, again, the human is the weak link. The human is the weak link, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and uh, I think it was that same Verizon report that you mentioned. It, wasn't there like 236 million ransomware attacks in the first half of the year or something? Some huge number like that. Um, the, and it, yeah, yeah, the numbers just, are just, all... It just blows your mind uh, mm -hmm. how, how much that, that, that's going on. So I'm, an, I'm, I'm all new to this, Adam, and I'm a, I'm a medium business, uh, you know, under, under 500 employees. Uh, where do I start? How do, how do I even begin to wrap my arms around this? Yeah, so you're going to have to partner with someone hiring the right people to do this in a, in the world we live in today, security experts are so far and few between and retaining them is so difficult. You need a partner who can come in and help you build the measurements to, to get a baseline right off the bat. And then to be able to provide those ongoing services that we've talked about, to be able to continually measure and continually test. Partners like Intervision have developed ways to do that kind of across the board and build fundament, fundamental uh, baseline protections with things we call ransomware protection as a service. Mm -hmm. um, but you've got to have, first of all, the expertise to, to help you measure and then often um, remediate, right, yep. and, and build better protections. Yep. Well, and, and, and Adam kind of foreshadowed an upcoming episode that we're going to have. We're going to be doing a uh, I'll call it a live recording, live in front of a studio audience, recording <laughs> of Status Go uh, here in the next few weeks. And we're going to have uh, Adam as a guest, as well as uh, a, a V Sizzo from, from Intervision uh, and a guest from Arctic Wolf. And we're going to talk about this concept of ransomware protection as a service and how do you build a comprehensive program that covers all the five pillars of the, the NIST framework. So be, be on the lookout for that. And if you're local to the Indianapolis area, we're gonna be doing this at the Vogue Theater, which is like the iconic venue in, in town. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about doing that. I always dreamed of being on stage at the Vogue, but somehow I always had a guitar in my hand when I was yes. having that dream, right? right. But uh, instead we'll have a microphone and we'll do a podcast there. There so, you go. Well, Adam, you know that on Status Go, uh, we are all about inspiring action in our listeners. And so I'd love your thoughts on what are one or two 
things, one or two steps that our listeners can go do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation about measuring what matters today? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I would say when we talk about measuring what matters is understanding what your goals really are. And so I would say the first thing, write down your goals, write down what it is I'm trying to achieve and then go look at what you're measuring and see how you think that helps you attain that. And just like we talked about with honesty and uh, self-awareness, you know, make sure you're really honest with yourselves of is what I'm measuring and what I'm incentivizing everyone to work towards actually achieving the goals that I'm trying mm -hmm. to measure. And again, remember with that honesty that you put into asking those questions, you get it, you get out of it what you put into it. So, uh -huh. yeah, yep. but I really think you start with the goals and then you work your, your way backwards to what you're actually measuring, measuring to build the, the right process around that. That is excellent advice. Adam, I've had a great time chatting with you as always, man. I, I enjoy our conversations. Thank you so much for carving out time. And probably the next time I'll see you is on stage at the Vogue. Yeah, it probably will be. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me, Jeff. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. Uh, and I think we'll be able to provide a link to the NIST framework that, uh, that Adam referenced so that you can go check that out as well. This is Jeff Tan for Adam Scamahorn. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.